there, welcome. This is Reels and Records with Macy. That is me. I am Macy. It's nice to meet you guys. I'm glad you're here. Reels and Records is a podcast where I like to throw up all of my film score appreciation and whatever comes to my mind while listening through some of my all-time favorites. Here we go over some of the details that went into the creation of the most under and overrated soundtracks, picking them apart until we find out just what it is that makes them so good. Since this is the first episode, I'll go ahead and introduce myself a little bit and what I generally want this project to turn into. So like I said, I'm Macy Livesay. That's my full name, Macy Livesay. <laughs> I'm a film and media arts major at the University of Utah, and I'm a part of Kate Radio, which is um, part of student media. So student media is a plethora of student-run platforms which focus on local and live music, that's KU, modern media, activism, and a lot more. Uh, Fun facts about myself, I'm left-handed. I think that's pretty sick. (laughs) I'm an out-of-state student. I'm from the East Coast. I play guitar and piano. I'm a very avid music lover. Um, And if you're really yearning for someone to incessantly ramble on about some overhyped A24 film, that's my job. It's my job as a film major to be annoying. So, anyways, alright, so I'm going to talk about the soundtrack for one of the best movies of last year, one with uh, recently announced 11 Oscar nominations, well-deserved, and that film is the A24 film directed by Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert, starring Michelle Yeoh, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Letterbox synthesizes everything everywhere all at once, saying that the universe is so much bigger than you realize. An aging Chinese immigrant is swept up in an insane adventure where she alone can save what's important to her by connecting with the lives she could have led in other universes. People have been calling it a cinematic miracle, a love letter to cinema, a genre-bending, overwhelming experience, and I'm 100% sure they mean that in the best way. Now, if you haven't seen the film, Of course, I recommend that you do. I'm not going to explain the entire film, but I'll probably spoil something, and you'll appreciate the score so much more if you watch it first, so please, please just do that first. I promise you it's so good. It's like if you take the Never Let Them Know Your Next Mood trend and mash it with the Multiverse of Madness Doctor Strange movie, if it was actually good, because that was not good. That was an awful movie, and I had headache after. Uh, Plus, you can take it from me. I'm not typically... One for standalone action, sci-fi, but this movie easily expands all of the boxes it's placed in. Alright, so the soundtrack was made by a band called Sun Lux, which consists of members Ryan Lott, Ian Chang, and Rafik Bhatia. The three guys started back in 2014, and I'd say their genre is experimental, alternative, indie, uh, but yeah, the album features a ton of artists, like my favorite human being on the planet, Mitski, <laughs> David, Bar- David Byrne, Randy Newman, who's the Toy Story guy, Moses Sumney, Nina Moffitt, Chris Patshaw, a ton more. There's so many, and I wish I could talk about all of them, but I don't have the time. <laughs> I want to start with This is a Life, the extended version, um, which actually I'm pretty sure got nominated for an Oscar by itself, which is so, so cool. It deserves it. Um, Anyways, I'm going to start with that one because I feel like I'm ascending off the ground when I listen to this. It kicks off the movie with 
this glorious, overwhelming choral instrumental building up right in your face. And I think it sets such a stunning tone for the film. Everything is quite literally happening everywhere, all at once. And then it tones back down to simplicity with pizzicato, some strings. This is a track featuring Mitski and David Byrne, and let me rave about their voices for just a little second. I cannot think of a more perfect duo or perfect voices for this kind of song and film and emotion. I'd say Mitski has a very similar personal style to this type of music. She's typically heavy on unique instrumentals and kind of plays on a cinematic dramatization, extremely mature emotional themes, stuff like that. And then David Byrne, um, side note, this movie has an alarming amount of Davids. There are a lot of them, both the directors. Okay, anyways, uh, David Byrne was the lead singer and guitarist of the Talking Heads. Um, I don't know much about him, which maybe is a little embarrassing to admit, but it's okay. <laughs> so for the score, Sunlux talked to Rolling Stone in an interview, and they said that they capture the essence of the multiverse by just combining and building up noise and creating that feeling of overload that we feel when we try to comprehend the concept and grandeur of the whole universe. Specifically saying it is, quote, the most chaotic and intense thing we could bring ourselves to. <laughs> it's the coolest thing ever. Anyways, when they were asked how they were able to string together the soundtrack as a whole, how they made it cohesive and such, they said that the directors, the Daniels, wanted there to be melodic themes throughout the course of the film. So basically they took a certain melody uh, and were able to dress it up for different scenes <clears throat> to create a more emotional version of that same melody or maybe a more action-packed version of the melody, um, which is called a leitmotif, leitmotif. I don't, let me look it up. Let's look it up. How do you pronounce? How to, oh, I think it is leitmotif. 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 Motif. I'm just gonna say leitmotif. Whatever. <laughs> Yikes. Okay, whatever. They actually said that there's two hours and 20 minutes of movie and an entire hour and 50 minutes of their music inside of the movie, which is around three to five records of music in one film. That's insane. I definitely noticed that when watching the film for the first time. Um, there's almost consistently music playing, which is crazy, and it can so easily go wrong, but I because I, I know I've made the mistake before of creating a music video instead of a film, a short film, because I was just super focused on creating something musically special that the actual plot was super codependent on the score. But it's not a bad thing. And when it's done well, it's so impressive. And I think it's, I think it's just easy to accidentally distract from the plot with your score, but the soundtrack never crosses that line. It is always enhancing and enhancing only, which I love. The aspect of the soundtrack that is easily one of the coolest things to me is the use of Claude Debussy's Claire de Lune in the film. So Claire de Lune is probably the most overplayed classical piece in cinema ever, but I don't care. I genuinely don't care. I will always love it anyways. It's one of my favorite songs. Uh, I'm a pianist, so I just, it's one of the first things that I feel like I knew. And what they've done with it in this movie is that they've taken it and they've remixed it into a couple different versions. So track 40, 
starts off as the normal, well-known Claire de Lune, but then so subtly you hear this minor key contrasting strings seep into the track and it is, it's just the most eerie thing you've ever heard. And then you go to other tracks where it's used, like in the beginning of track 18, My Life Without You, and also throughout track 15, Deirdre Fight, which is such a sick song. I love that one. They just have the coolest way of reinventing such a well-known song, fitting it into the rest of the soundtrack and film style and incorporating the film's overarching melodies. And it's just, I feel like I don't have all the adjectives I need for this soundtrack because it just, it goes past words. It's the coolest thing ever. Um, Taking this in a different direction, very different, away from the intense chaos that is the majority of the soundtrack, I wanna talk about the softer, simpler pieces like Wing Family Portrait and Wayman Cries. They're just so pretty and they symbolize the film's contrasting recurrences of chaos versus calm and unity versus rightfully allowing space old versus young with the generational gaps in ways of thinking, everything mattering versus nothing mattering, optimism against nihilism. Pieces like this in the film give us the time to breathe and to clear our thoughts, which reminds me of a quote that Joy says in the movie. She says, not a single moment will go by without every other universe screaming for your attention. Never fully there, just a lifetime of fractured moments, contradictions and confusion with only a few specks of time where anything actually makes any sense. That's, that's what these pieces feel like, and they're so short. Wayman Cries is only 37 seconds, and yet it brings an entirely new aspect of the movie with just the music alone. I love when the scores in films um, become their own character, when they tell you more about the story and they add to the arcs and development, when they make you feel emotions and things that otherwise wouldn't be there. That's why I think this soundtrack is especially one of the best. So track 43, Let Me Go, uh, captures the climax of the film in all of its simple beauty. And for a movie that feeds off of complexity and commotion and madness, it's so fitting for the climax to almost be peaceful in a way. It's softer, more loving, less clashy in instrumentals. And then comes track 44, called Specks of Time. We recognize the familiar buildup from previous moments in the score, but the buildup doesn't come from a place of confusion and intent to overwhelm the audience as it used to. It's connected, cohesive, and emotional now, and it's showing that the confusion laced inside of the plot is resolved not by being fixed, just by accepting the validity of feeling feelings. This is exactly parallel to the meaning of the film, of course, because Joy doesn't just stop struggling with mental and emotional issues at the end. Sometimes things don't get better, our situation is still the same, but Evelyn and Joy both accept that it is okay to feel small, it's okay to ask for help, it's okay to surrender to open arms. And then it returns to simplicity again, and resolvement and peace after representing the intense mental battle each character was facing throughout the course of the movie Joe Butapaki, or Joy, Evelyn's daughter, is experiencing every life she's living in every universe all at once, to the point where it's destroying her mind and she just wants to end her suffering. 
This sort of chaos can also be seen in track 36, Evelyn All at Once. When Evelyn's mind finally fractures as well, I'll give you a heads up on this one. It's pure insanity. It's what the inside of my brain sounds like when I don't take my meds. So, good luck. headache for fun, then listen to that. But yeah, but I'm not dissing it because I think it was a masterpiece in the film. It worked so well and it mirrored the chaos Evelyn was experiencing. It's so beautiful with the visual editing they they have in that part. I could go on and on about it. I, I fell out of my chair the first time that I watched that scene. But back to track 44. Um, specks of time again. The ending pulls it all together, and the family rekindles their love and begins a process of healing. The music reflects that in its softer and more loving sound, as well as the concluding tones that sound like loose ends being tied up. Now, my two most favorite tracks in this entire score are tracks 41 and 42 called Come Recover and Your Day Will Come, and both include in parentheses, Empathy Fight. This song is played at a part I would like to say kickstarts the turning point of the film, though it's kind of hard to pinpoint the exact moment of the climax, just because I think it could be a couple different parts. Uh, It could be during the empathy fight, maybe when Jopu Tabaki steps into the bagel, maybe when Evelyn's mind fractures, she's being arrested, and she experiences every universal version of herself all at once. I don't know, maybe it's when Joy runs out into the parking lot and screams for her parents to let her go. It could be a lot of points, but that's not my point. My point is that the empathy fight sequence is one of my most favorite ever. Evelyn doesn't give in to fighting with anger or aggression, but instead, and in the most absurd, campy way, <laughs> helps all of her attackers to obtain their greatest desire. The gist is that she chooses kindness over destruction. The brilliance and impact of these tracks surpasses literally everything I've ever heard, ever. And they aid in the emotional astonishment of the scene. They give you chills. The melodic theme of the film is carried throughout the entire song, and it's the kind of music that gives you that feeling. That feeling when you're watching a movie, that realization that this is why I love film so much. This is what it's all about feeling. Anyways, I think that's all I can manage to say about the score for now. There's so many layers to it and so many more meanings I could pull out of it. 
But I'm just gonna wrap up right here. This has gotta be one of the best film scores in modern cinema. It's genius. It's unlike anything else. And I'll applaud it forever. Until next time, I hope you have a nice, lovely day and your music hits extra hard. Bye. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.